Chapter Three of Child of Storm. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. Recording by Elsie Selwyn. Child of Storm by H. Ryder Haggard. Chapter Three, The Buffalo with the Cleft Horn. I slept very well that night. I suppose because I was so dog tired, I could not help it. But next day, on our long walk back to Umbezi's kraal, I thought a great deal. Without doubt, I had seen and heard very strange things, both of the past and the present, things that I could not in the least understand. Moreover, they were mixed up with all sorts of questions of high Zulu policy, and threw a new light upon events that happened to me and others in my youth. Now, in the clear sunlight, was the time to analyze these things, and this I did in the most logical fashion I could command although without the slightest assistance from Saduko, who, when I asked him questions, merely shrugged his shoulders. These questions, he said, did not interest him. I had wished to see the magic of Zikali, and Zikali had been pleased to show me some very good magic, quite of his best, indeed. Also, he had conversed alone with me afterwards, doubtless on high matters, so high that he, Saduko, was not admitted to share the conversation, which was an honor he accorded to very few. I could form my own conclusions in the light of the white man's wisdom, which everyone knew was great. I replied shortly that I could, for Saduko's tone irritated me. Of course the truth was that he felt aggrieved at being sent off to bed like a little boy while his foster father, the old dwarf, made confidences to me. One of Saduko's faults was that he had always a very good opinion of himself. Also, he was by nature terribly jealous, even in little things, as the readers of his history, if any, will learn. We trudged on for several hours in silence, broken at length by my companion. "'Do you still mean to go on a shooting expedition with Umbezi in Kosi? he asked, "'or are you afraid?' "'Of what should I be afraid?' I answered tartly. "'Of the buffalo with the slit horn, of which Zikali told you what else?' Now, I fear I use strong language about the buffalo with the split horn, a beast in which I declared I had no belief whatsoever, either with or without its accessories of dried river beds and water holes. If all this old woman's talk has made you afraid, however, I added, you can stop at the crawl with Mamina. Why should the talk make me afraid, Makumazan? Zikali did not say that this evil spirit of a buffalo would hurt me. If I fear, it is for you seeing that if you are hurt you may not be able to go with me to look for bongu's cattle oh i replied sarcastically it seems that you are somewhat selfish friend saduko since it is of your welfare and not of my safety that you are thinking if i were as selfish as you seem to believe in kosi should i advise you to stop with your wagons and thereby lose the good gun with two mouths that you have promised me still it is true that i should like well enough to stay at umbezi's kraal with mamina especially if umbezi were away now as there was nothing more uninteresting than to listen to other people's love affairs and as i saw that with the slightest encouragement saduko was ready to tell me all the history of his courtship over again i did not continue the argument so we finished our journey in silence and arrived at umbezi's kraal a little after sundown to find to the disappointment of both of us that mamina was still away Upon the following morning, we started on our shooting expedition, the party consisting of myself, my servant Scow, who, as I think I said, hailed from the Cape and was half a Hottentot, Saduko, the merry old Zulu, Umbezi, and a number of his men to serve as bearers and beaters. It proved a very successful trip, that is, until the end of it, 
for in those days the game in this part of the country was extremely plentiful before the end of the second week i killed four elephants two of them with large tusks while saduko who soon developed into a very fair shot bagged another with the double-barrelled gun that i had promised him also mbezi how i have never discovered for the thing partook of the nature of a miracle managed to slay an elephant cow with fair ivories using the old rifle that went off at half cock never have i seen a man black or white so delighted as was that vainglorious kaffir for whole hours he danced and sang and took snuff and saluted with his hand telling me the story of his deed over and over again no single version of which tale agreed with the other he took a new title also that meant eater up of elephants he allowed one of his men to bonga that is praise him all through the night preventing us from getting a wink of sleep until at last the poor fellow dropped in a kind of fit from exhaustion and so forth it really was very amusing until it became a bore besides the elephants we killed lots of other things including two lions which i got almost with the right and left and three white rhinoceroses that now alas are nearly extinct at last towards the end of the third week we had as much as our men could carry in the shape of ivory rhinoceros horns skins and sun-dried buck flesh or biltong and determined to start back for umbezi's kraal next day indeed this could not be long delayed as our powder and lead were running low for in those days it will be remembered breech-loaders had not come in and ammunition therefore had to be carried in bulk to tell the truth i was very glad that our trip had come to such a satisfactory conclusion for although i would not admit it even to myself i could not get rid of a kind of sneaking dread lest after all there might be something in the old dwarf's prophecy about a disagreeable adventure with a buffalo which was in store for me well as it chanced we had not so much as seen a buffalo and as the road which we were going to take back to the crawl ran over high bare country that these animals did not frequent there was now little prospect of our doing so all of which of course showed what i already knew that only weak-headed superstitious idiots would put the slightest faith in the driveling nonsense of deceiving or self-deceived kaffir medicine men these things indeed i pointed out with much vigour to saduko before we turned in on the last night of the hunt saduko listened in silence and said nothing at all except that he would not keep me up any longer as i must be tired now whatever may be the reason for it my experience in life is that it is never wise to brag about anything at any rate on a hunting trip to come to a particular instance wait until you are safe at home till you begin to do so of the truth of this ancient adage i was now destined to experience a particularly fine and concrete example the place where we had camped was in scattered bush overlooking a great extent of dry reeds that in the wet season was doubtless a swamp fed by a small river which ran into it on the side opposite to our camp during the night i woke up thinking that i had heard some big beasts moving in these reeds but as no further sounds reached my ears i went to sleep again shortly after dawn i was awakened by a voice calling me which in a hasty fashion i recognized as that of umbezi makumazan said the voice in a hoarse whisper the reeds below us are full of buffalo get up get up at once what for i answered if the buffalo came into the reeds they will go out of them we do not want meat no makumazan but i want their hides panda the king has demanded fifty shields of me and without killing oxen that i can ill spare i have not the skins whereof to make them now these buffalo are in a trap the swamp is like a dish with one mouth they cannot get out at the sides of the dish and the mouth by which they came in is very narrow if we station ourselves at either side of it we can kill many of them 
by this time i was thoroughly awake and had arisen from my blankets throwing a caress over my shoulders i left the hut made of boughs in which i was sleeping and walked a few paces to the crest of a rocky ridge whence i could see the drive lay below here the mists of dawn still clung but from it rose sounds of grunts bellows and tramplings which i an old hunter could not mistake evidently a herd of buffalo one or two hundred of them had established themselves in those reeds just then my bastard servant scowl and saduko joined us both of them full of excitement it appeared that scowl who never seemed to sleep at any natural time had seen the buffalo entering the reeds and estimated their number at two or three hundred saduko had examined the cleft through which they passed and reported it to be so narrow that we could kill any number of them as they rushed out to escape quite so i understand i said well my opinion is that we had better let them escape only four of us kenny and betsy are armed with guns and assay guys are not much of use against buffalo let them go i say umbezi thinking of a cheap raw material for the shields which had been requisitioned by the king who would surely be pleased if they were made of such a rare and tough hide as that of buffalo protested violently in saduko either to please one whom he hoped might be his father-in-law or from sheer love of the sport for which he always had a positive passion backed him up only scowl whose dash of hot and hot blood made him cunning and cautious took my side pointing out that we were very short of powder and that buffalo ate up much lead at last saduko said the lord makumazana is our captain we must obey him although it is a pity but doubtless the prophecy of zikali weighs upon his mind so there is nothing to be done zikali exclaimed umbezi what has the old dwarf to do with this matter never mind what he has or has not to do with it i broke in for although i do not think that he meant them as a taunt but merely as a statement of fact saduko's words stung me to the quick especially as my conscience told me that they were not altogether without foundation we will try to kill some of these buffalo i went on although unless the herd should get bogged which is not likely as the swamp is very dry i do not think that we can hope for more than eight or ten at most which won't be of much use for shields come let us make a plan we have no time to lose for i think they will begin to move again before the sun is well up half an hour later the four of us who were armed with guns were posted behind rocks on either side of the steep narrow roadway cut by water which led to the vlei and with us some of umbezi's men that chief himself was at my side a post of honour which he had insisted upon taking to tell the truth i did not dissuade him for i thought that i should be safer so than if he were opposite me since even if the old rifle did not go off of its own accord umbezi when excited was a most uncertain shot the herd of buffalo appeared to have lain down in the reeds so being careful to post ourselves first we sent three of the native bearers to the farther side of the vlei with instructions to rouse the beasts by shouting the remainder of the zulus there were ten or a dozen of them armed with stabbing spears we kept with us but what did these scoundrels do instead of disturbing the herd by making noise as we told them for some reason best known to themselves i expect it was because they were afraid to go into the vlei where they might meet the horn of a buffalo at any moment they fired the dry reeds in three or four places at once and this if you please with a strong wind blowing from them to us in a moment or two the farther side of the swamp was a sheet of crackling flame that gave off clouds of dense white smoke then pandemonium began the sleeping buffalo leapt to their feet and after a few moments of indecision crashed towards us the whole huge horde of them snorting and bellowing like mad things seeing what was about to happen i nipped behind a big boulder while scowl shinned up a mimosa with the swiftness of a cat 
and heedless of its thorns, sat himself in an eagle's nest at the top. The Zulus with the spears bolted to take cover where they could. What became of Saduko I did not see, but old Umbezi, bewildered with excitement, jumped into the exact middle of the roadway, shouting, They come, they come, charge, buffalo folk, if you will. The eater up of elephants awaits you. You exaggerated old fool, I shouted, but got no further. For just at this moment, the first of the buffalo, which I could see was an enormous bull, probably the leader of the herd, accepted Umbezi's invitation and came with its nose stuck straight out in front of it. Umbezi's gun went off, and next instant he went up. Through the smoke, I saw his black bulk in the air, and then heard it alight with a thud on top of the rock behind which I was crouching. Exit Umbezi, I said to myself, and by way of a requiem, let the bull which had hoisted him, as I thought to heaven, have an ounce of lead in the ribs as it passed me. After that, I did not fire any more, for it occurred to me that it was as well not to further advertise my presence. In all my hunting experience, I cannot remember ever seeing such a sight as that which followed. Out of the vlay rushed the buffalo by dozens, every one of them making remarks in its own language as it came. They jammed in the narrow roadway, they leapt onto each other's backs, they squealed, they kicked, they bellowed. They charged my friendly rock till I felt it shake. They knocked over Scal's mimosa thorn, and would have shot him out of his eagle's nest had not its flat top fortunately caught in that of another and less accessible tree. And with them came clouds of pungent smoke, mixed with bits of burning reed and puffs of hot air. It was over at last. With the exception of some calves, which had been trampled to death in the rush, the herd had gone. Now, like the Roman emperor, I think he was an emperor, I began to wonder what had become of my legions. Umbezi! I shouted, or rather sneezed, through the smoke. <laughs> Are you dead, Umbezi? Yes, yes, Makumazan, replied a choking and melancholy voice from the top of the rock. I am <coughs> dead, quite dead. That evil spirit of a Silwana, i.e. wild beast, has ki killed me. Oh, why did he think I was a hunter? Why did I not stop at my kraal and count my cattle? I am sure I don't know, you old lunatic. I answered as I scrambled up the rock to bid him goodbye. It was a rock with a razor top like the ridge of a house, and there, hanging across this ridge like a pair of nether garments on a clothesline, I found the eater-up of elephants. Where did he get you, Umbezi? I asked, for I could not see his wounds because of the smoke. Behind, Bakumazan, behind, he groaned, for I had turned to fly, but alas, too late. On the contrary, I replied, for one so heavy, you flew very well, like a bird, Umbezi, like a bird. Look and see what the evil beast has done to me, Makumazan. It will be easy, for my mucha has gone. So I looked, examining Umbezi's ample proportions with care, but could discover nothing except a large smudge of black mud, as though he had sat down in a half-dried puddle. Then I guessed the truth. The buffalo's horns had missed him. He had been struck only with its muddy nose, which, being almost as broad as that portion of Umbezi with which it came in contact, had inflicted nothing worse than a bruise. When I was sure he had received no serious injury, my temper, already sorely tried, gave out and I administered to him the soundest smacking, his position being very convenient, that he had ever received since he was a little boy. Get up, you idiot! I shouted, and let us look for the others. This is the end of your folly in making me attack a herd of buffalo and reeds. Get up! Am I to stop here till I choke? Do you mean that I have no mortal wound, Bakumazan? He asked with a return of cheerfulness, accepting the castigation and good part, for he was not one who bore malice. Oh, I am glad to hear it, for now I shall live to make those cowards who fired the weeds sorry that they are not dead, also to finish off that wild beast, for I hit him, Makumazan, I hit him. I don't know whether you hit him, I know he hit you, 
I replied as I shoved him off the rock and ran towards the tilted tree where I had last seen Scowl. Here I beheld another strange sight. Scowl was still seated in the eagle's nest that he shared with two nearly-fledged young birds, one of which, having been injured, was uttering piteous cries. Nor did it cry in vain for its parents, which were of that great variety of kite that the boars called Lamenfang, or lamb-lifters, had just arrived to its assistance, and were giving their new nestling, Scowl, the best doing that man ever received at the beak and claws of feathered kind. Seen through those rushing smoke-wreaths, the combat looked perfectly titanic. Also, it was one of the noisiest to which I ever listened, for I don't know which shrieked the more loudly, the infuriated eagles or their victim. Seeing how things stood, I burst into a roar of laughter, and just then Scow grabbed the leg of the male bird that was planted in his breast while it removed tufts of his wool with its hooked beak and leapt boldly from the nest, which had become too hot to hold him. The eagle's outspread wings broke his fall, for they acted as a parachute, and so did Umbezi, upon whom he chanced to land. Springing from the prostrate shape of the chief, who now had a bruise in front to match that behind, Scowl, covered with pecks and scratches, ran like a lamplighter, leaving me to collect my second gun, which he had dropped at the bottom of the tree, but fortunately without injuring it. The coffers gave him another name after that encounter, which meant, He who fights birds and gets the worst of it. Well, we escaped from the line of smoke, a disheveled trio. Indeed, Umbezi had nothing left on him except his head ring and shouted for the others if perchance they had not been trodden to death in the rush. The first to arrive was Seduko, who looked quite calm and untroubled, but stared at us in astonishment, and asked coolly what we had been doing to get in such a state. I replied in appropriate language, and asked in turn how he had managed to remain so nicely dressed. He did not answer, but I believe the truth was that he had crept into a large ant-bear's hole. Small blame to him, to be frank. Then the remainder of our party turned up one by one, some of them looking very blown, as though they had run a long way. None were missing, except those who had fired the reeds, and they thought it well to keep clear for a good many hours. I believe that afterwards they regretted not having taken a longer leave of absence, but when they did finally arrive I was in no condition to know what passed between them and their outraged chief. Being collected, the question arose what we should do. Of course I wished to return to camp and get out of this ill-omened place as soon as possible, but I had reckoned without the vanity of Umbezi. Umbezi stretched over the edge of a sharp rock, whither he had been hoisted by the nose of a buffalo, and imagining himself to be mortally wounded was one thing. But Umbezi and I borrowed Mucha, although, because of his bruises, he supported his person with one hand in front and with the other behind, knowing his injuries to be purely superficial, was quite another. I am a hunter, he said. I am named Eater Up of Elephants and he rolled his eyes, looking about for someone to contradict him, which nobody did. Indeed, his praiser, a thin, tired-looking person, whose voice was worn out with his previous exertions, repeated in a feeble way, "'Yes, black one, eater up of elephants is your name. Lifted up by buffalo is your name.' "'Be silent, idiot!' roared Umbezi. "'As I said, I am a hunter, and I have wounded the wild beast that subsequently dared to assault me.' As a matter of fact, it was I, Alan Quatermain, who had wounded it. I would make it bite the dust, for it cannot be far away. Let us follow it. He glared round him, whereon his obsequious people, or one of them, echoed, Yes, by all means, let us follow it. Eater up of elephants. Makumazan, the clever white man, will show us how, for where is the buffalo that he fears? Of course, after this, there was nothing else to be done, so, having summoned the scratch scowl, who seemed to have no heart in the business, we started on the spore of the herd, which was as easy to track as a wagon road. Never mind, boss, said Scowl. 
they are two hours march off by now i hope so i answered but as it happened luck was against me for before we had covered half a mile some overzealous fellow struck a blood spore i marched on that spore for twenty minutes or so till we came to a patch of bush that sloped downwards to a river bed right to this river i followed it till i reached the edge of a big pool that was still full of water although the river itself had gone dry here i stood looking at the spore and consulting with saduko as to whether the beast could have swum the pool for the tracks that went to its very verge had become confused and uncertain suddenly our doubts were ended since out of a patch of dense bush which we had passed for it had played the common trick of doubling back on its own spore appeared the buffalo a huge bull that halted on three legs my bullet having broken one of its thighs as to its identity there was no doubt since on or rather from its right horn which was cleft apart at the top hung the remains of umbezi's mucha oh beware Inkunzi, cried saduko in a frightened voice it is the buffalo with the cleft horn i heard him i saw all the scene in the hut of zikali rose before me the old dwarf his words everything i lifted my rifle and fired at the charging beast but knew that the bullet glanced from its skull i threw down the gun for the buffalo was right on me and tried to jump aside almost i did so but that cleft horn to which hung the remains of umbezi's muka scooped me up and hurled me off the river bank backwards and sideways into the deep pool below as i departed thither i saw saduko spring forward and heard a shot fired that caused the bullet to collapse for a moment then with a slow sliding motion it followed me into the pool now we were together and there was no room for both so after a certain amount of dodging i went under as the lighter dog always does in a fight that buffalo seemed to do everything to me which a buffalo could do under the circumstances it tried to horn me and partially succeeded although i ducked at every swoop then it struck me with its nose and drove me to the bottom of the pool although i got hold of its lip and twisted it then it calmly knelt on me and sank me deeper and deeper into the mud i remember kicking it in the stomach after this i remembered no more except a kind of wild dream in which i rehearsed all the scene in the dwarf's hut and his request that when i meet the buffalo with the cleft horn and the pool of dried river i should remember that he was nothing but a poor old kaffir cheat after this i saw my mother bending over a little child in my bed in the old house of oxfordshire where i was born and then blackness i came to myself again and saw instead of my mother the stately figure of saduko bending over me upon one side and on the other that of scowl the half-bred hottentot who was weeping for his hot tears fell upon my face he is gone said poor scowl that bewitched beast with the split horn has killed him he is gone who was the best white man in all south africa whom i loved better than my father and all my relatives that you might easily do bastard answered saduko seeing that you do not know who they are but he is not gone for the opener of roads said that he would live also i got my spear into the heart of that buffalo before he had needed the life out of him as fortunately the mud was soft yet i fear that his ribs are broken and he poked me with his finger on the breast take your clumsy hand off me i gasped there said saduko i have made him feel did i not tell you that he would live after this i remember little more except some confused dreams till i found myself lying in a great hut which i discovered subsequently was umbezi's own the same indeed wherein i had doctored the ear of that wife of his who was called worn-out old cow End of chapter three